3: I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window,
4: open it, and stick your head out and yell. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going
5: to take this anymore. We must
2: not allow ourselves to be intimidated. I ask you not only to win the battle, but to win the war. We're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what
6: man's carved out for itself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order. You're
7: out of order. The whole trial is out of order. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature,
2: and you will atone. Hey there. I am your mad prophet of the airwaves And welcome once again to Radio Free Canada News, notes, and opinions from the underground For Tuesday, February the 7th In the year of our Lord, 2023 That last part, once again, is for the atheists Horrible situation in Turkey and Syria The, uh, the death toll there after yesterday's devastating earthquake Now around 7,200 and... Hundreds of thousands of people seeking shelter. I've been watching videos of um, buildings collapsing like they were wired for controlled demolition. Rescuers in uh, Turkey's Hatay, I believe it's pronounced, saved a four-year-old girl from the rubble of a collapsed building 33 hours after the earthquake. Turkish President Erdogan announcing... A three-month state of emergency across 10 provinces as aid agencies grapple with complicated logistics of sending emergency assistance to war-hit Syria. Dozens of countries around the world promising to help search and uh, provide help in search and rescue operations, which are being hampered by cold and snow. So if you have friends or family in Turkey and Syria, my prayers go out to you. That's something else that angers the atheists when people offer prayers as if prayers mean nothing. When in fact prayer is essential. I guess they'd rather meditate. That's interesting, isn't it? Meditation. Meditation, we're told, oh, that's wonderful. Meditation is wonderful, but prayer is somehow backwards and anachronistic. And, uh, well, whatever. My prayers... Go out to the people of Turkey and Syria. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the program. Welcome to Tuesday. That would make this Friday Eve, 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 I guess. Can you wait or can you tell? Can you tell I can't wait for the weekend? I mean, I love doing the show, but uh, I enjoy my weekends with my family. Um, Occasionally. I do actually leave the house. This comes as a surprise to some, to, to some people. I, I leave the house. I venture forth besides the grocery store. Now, it doesn't happen very often. I left the house on a Sunday to get my hair cut. I have been so busy with this show, plus the podcast, plus Coast to Coast, plus, you know, working on the rink with the boys in the backyard, uh, trying to help out around the house whenever I can. So I had not had a haircut Jacob and uh, Declan can attest to this. I had, I had not had a haircut in almost four months. I was starting to look like Tarzan. So um, I went to the mall and I got my haircut. And I have a new barber. Batisse. Great guy. He's Iranian-Ukrainian. How is that for a combination? Born in Iran, grew up in Ukraine. Iranian-Ukrainian. So he finally... I guess I've been going to see Batisse for my haircut for maybe... I don't know, half a year. And he finally got around to asking me what I do, what I do for a living. So I told him, I'm a, I'm a broadcaster, a talk show host. And I told him about this program. What's it about? He asked me. So I told him, I said, I talk about truth, beauty, and goodness. And he smiled. He got it. He understood. Most people understood or understand. Most people understand what that means. Now, if the person I'm talking to, I don't know, has purple hair or a piercing in their eyebrow or their lip, they'll tilt their head. You know the way a curious dog tilts its head? You've seen Tigger, probably, Jacob, tilt its head, his head. That's what the, uh, the left doesn't, they, they, the, the left do not understand truth, beauty, and goodness. If you want proof of that, look around. The left controls everything. And they have over the last 60 years plus. They've reshaped our world in accordance with their values. And look, and look what we have. Look at the buildings that get built. Ugly, drab, uninspired. Everything looks like temporary army barracks or a Soviet apartment block. Look at the drug addicts wandering the streets and lying in their own filth. Look at our schools, force-feeding Toxic ideology to young minds Traumatizing them with Lies about climate change Dividing them Dehumanizing them This is the world The left has created Have you noticed How the left hate beauty? I'll give you an example What are these young fools These useful idiots That belong to the, the Climate change cult What do they do When they protest? They throw soup Or paint On Beautiful works of art That's no accident The left hates beauty They hate truth They despise goodness Just witness that appalling display On the Grammys on the weekend Satanic So this show is about truth, beauty and goodness Standing up for truth, beauty and goodness Fighting for truth, beauty and goodness And we have to fight for it Are you fighting for it? If not, why not? Ask yourself, why not? If you truly believe in truth, beauty, and goodness, you must fight for it. Maybe you think, oh, it's, it's too late for me. I've lived my life. Do you have children? Do you have grandchildren? Do you have nieces and nephews? What about them? Fight for them. Don't be the person who is breathing his or her last, lying in a hospital bed, waiting for the end, alone with your thoughts, with regret, thinking, I should have stood up more. I should have spoken up more. I should have fought harder for my kids and my grandkids. Don't be that person. And then learn to love the fight. Learn to enjoy this fight because most of us will not live long enough to see the end of it. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing on this show. That's why I'm doing this show. I'm fighting for truth, beauty, and goodness for my children and my nephews and my nieces and their children and one day my grandchildren and I hope you'll find a way to do the same in whatever form that takes. Maybe it's speaking out and standing up to your woke school board. Maybe it's deprogramming a young relative who just graduated from women's studies at the University of Guelph. Maybe it's getting involved in politics or running for school trustee. Find something, find anything, a way to join the fight of a lifetime the fight for truth, beauty, and goodness. So the uh, the folks at Disney, the evil clowns at Disney. Um, there, was a, there was something called the Proud Family. I don't know. I'm not familiar with it, but they've done a reboot of the Proud Family. It's receiving a backlash over a um, a segment in a recent episode, a cartoon featuring kids singing about slavery and reparations, arguing that America owes black Americans because America still... Has not atoned for its systemic prejudice, racism, and white supremacy. Here we go again. Have a listen.
7: This country was built on slavery, which means slaves, slaves built this country, tilled this land from sea to sea to sea, first there was rice, tobacco, sugar cane, then Whitney did his thing and cotton became king, and we were its soldiers, four, four million strong, fighting for America's freedoms even though we remained America's slaves, slaves, built this country, the descendants of slaves continue to build this. slaves built this country, and we the descendants of slaves in America have earned reparations for their suffering, and continue to earn reparations every moment we spend submerged in the the systemic prejudice racism and right white supremacy, supremacy that america was founded with and still has not atoned for slaves built, built this country. country not only field hands but carpenters masons, blacksmiths musicians inventors built cities from jamestown to new orleans to washington. washington 40 acres and a mule we'll take the 40 acres keep the mule we, we made, made your families rich from the southern plantation heirs to the northern bankers to the new england ship owners the founding fathers The Illuminati. The New World Order. Slaves
2: build this country. There you go. That's the folks at Disney. Lie stacked upon lie, upon lie, upon lie, sandwiched between layers of distortion, dipped in a liquefied shinola. A complete shite sandwich. Did you know the peak of slavery in America... 1860, only about 1.4% of Americans owned slaves. Now, 1.4% too many agreed. Slavery was horrible. 1.4% of Americans owned slaves. About 3,000 blacks, incidentally, owned a total of 20,000 slaves in 1860. You don't hear about that. Reparations. Reparations were paid. 360,000 Union soldiers died shed their blood died to free the slaves there's your reparations you know it's amazing how many people think European whites invented slavery Europeans didn't invent it but Europe was the first continent to end it and did you know that one million between one million and one and a quarter million European Christians were captured and forced to work in North Africa between the 16th and 18th centuries. So should white Christian Europeans go to North Africa and demand reparations? And of course, slavery still exists in Africa. It still exists in the Middle East outside of Israel. There are more, likely more slaves today than there were in America in 1860. Why don't the evil clowns at Disney make a movie about that? Disney's after your children. They're feeding them lies. So stay away from Disney, cancel Disney+, and if you believe in truth, beauty, and goodness, you'll do that. All right, another great show coming your way. Michael Rechtenwald is the author of 12 books and a distinguished fellow at Hillsdale College. He'll be here last order of business to talk about the megalomaniacal ambitions of the World Economic Forum. Drew Allen on the China spy balloon, Grampy Joe Biden's State of the Union address tonight, and Satanism at the Grammys. Space Matters with Dr. Jesse Rogerson, the homeschool advisor, also coming up this hour. But first, Sheila gunn from Rebel News is next with this story. Nearly 82% of illegal immigrants crossing at Roxham Road end up in taxpayer-funded hotels. The Richard Sarat Show, off and running for Tuesday, Feb 7th, fact and nonverba.
8: We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on
2: News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. 82% of illegal immigrants crossing at Roxham Road end up in taxpayer-funded hotels, and it all apparently began with a tweet from Sox Trudeau in 2017 when he was welcoming illegals to, uh, to Canada. As a way of uh, trolling President Trump, because he had at that time banned immigration from a number of failed states, Sheila Gunn-Reed is the Alberta Bureau Chief from Rebel News and host of The Gun Show. Hey, Sheila, how are you?
9: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, and thanks for your interest in this.
2: You know, I, I'm not a, a huge fan of uh, Michelle Rempel-Garner. I mean, I think she's basically a liberal in conservatives' clothing. However, I have to applaud her for digging this up. Uh I guess she uncovered this. uh, There was an inquiry of immigration, refugees and citizenship, Canada. So what what are the numbers? What did she find out specifically?
9: Sure. Yeah, this is Michelle Rumpel Garner, Calgary Nose Hill MP. I think she sits more in the progressive wing of the Conservative Party. But she did submit an order paper question into immigration, refugees and citizenship, Canada. And she wanted to know because there has been this influx since Justin Trudeau's idiotic and I think, frankly, um, anti-Canadian tweet uh, welcoming the world's migrants to just wander on into Canada, that not only is there a surge of migrants coming into Canada, but they have to go somewhere once they get here. And as it turns out, 82% of legal migrants who are crossing at Roxham Road, which is where the majority of crossings happen, I think that one crossing... All the other illegal crossings combined don't even come near that one crossing annually. But 82% of illegal migrants crossing there end up in government-funded hotels. And there are 14 such hotels across the country. Now, the migrants that are crossing at Roxham Road, they're coming with such frequency that the hotels that are on contract in Lacalle can't keep up. So then they end up being shipped to places like Toronto, And Cornwall, where, you know, Quebec's problems, which aren't really Quebec's problems at all, are spilling over into Ontario and B.C. and Alberta now.
2: So since that infamous tweet in 2017, when he basically opened the back door and said, come on in, all are welcome. uh, What are we seeing now in terms of the numbers of uh, illegals?
9: They're astounding. Now, I can tell you from this order paper question that in 2018, just 50 migrants who wandered across the border required hotel accommodations. Now that's up to 27,555 in the calendar year of 2022. And that number cuts off at October. That's when the data ended. So they don't have any data after that for the final three months. But I think you could probably just, you know, add another close to 10,000 into that number there and they have to go somewhere like they have to go somewhere there are not that many accommodations in lacalle and frankly it's only going to get worse because apparently the sanctuary city of new york is not all that much of a sanctuary for migrants and they are buying bus tickets through upstate new york to the border at lacalle wherein new york city's problems are going to walk across the border into canada
2: Right. These are um, I mean, things are so bad in New York City that that people that are fleeing the uh, the poverty and violence uh, in places like Guatemala and, uh, and, you know, this horror, these horrible gangs are coming to New York. It's so bad in New York. They want to get out of there. So Eric Adams, the mayor. Gives them, uh, has the National Guard distributing, uh, taxpayer funded bus tickets. They end up in, I guess, p- places like Plattsburgh, New York, where the reports are that these illegals are burning their immigration papers because they have immigration documents. They're on kind of an immigration parole. They just, uh, burn those papers and then they come on through and now, uh, they're our problem. So we have tens of thousands of illegals flooding into Canada. 82% of those are staying at hotels funded by the taxpayer. Do we have a a final tab on this?
9: So right now, we really don't. Um, So according to the numbers, just to put this into context, Dorval, where they're housing some of these migrants, they have currently over 10,000 asylum seekers being put up in hotels that, again, Cumulative to the end of October. It's 10 times the 2021 numbers. And prior to 2021, there were zero asylum seekers requiring accommodations at Dorval. And that is, again, before New York has started shipping their migrants into Canada. Um, In Cornwall, Ottawa, and Niagara Falls, there are also housing migrants from Roxham Road. 26,000 plus of the nearly 32,000 migrants that entered Canada via Roxham Road, in those four years, are being housed in hotels, and it is just set to explode.
2: Well, I mean, assume, let's assume they're staying at a, a Motel 6 or whatever, uh, I don't know, $100 a night, tens of thousands of people, you know, it. <laughs> and where are they going to school? There's the other point. If they have children, where are they Are they going into already crowded public schools? Are they into overcrowded emergency rooms, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it, the, the, uh, the cost is not just simply the, uh, the price of a stay at a uh, hotel. All right. Well, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Now, if you could hold on, sure. uh, Sheila, because I do want to talk to you about uh, one of our fine veterans, Christine Gauthier, um, waiting for a ridiculous amount of time to get a, a stair lift. Um, and uh, we'll talk about how we can help out. Sheila Gunn-Reed is from Rebel News, the Alberta Bureau Chief host of The Gun Show Wednesdays at 9 Eastern. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away.
8: Let's get back at it on News
2: Talk Saga 960 AM. It's The Richard Serra Show. Welcome back. Sheila gunn stays with us. Alberta Bureau Chief, Rebel News. The Gun Show Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, rebelnews.com. And um, we're going to talk about a, uh, a wonderful Canadian...
10: Are you ready for a rewarding career in the electrical industry? Quality Electric of the Coastal Carolinas, QECC, is looking for qualified electricians and electrical helpers to join its Charleston team. QECC offers guaranteed full-time hours, make up to $30 per hour with possible performance bonuses and career growth opportunities. Enjoy benefits like health insurance, dental and vision coverage, 401k plans, and more. If you're a motivated, experienced electrician, this job is for you. QECC is an equal opportunity employer. For all job inquiries, send email to hr at qeccinc.com. Uh, and, uh, well, I'll get you to uh,
2: to tell us a little bit about this uh, fine, remarkable woman, Sheila.
9: Sure. Christine Gauthier is someone who sh- we should all be very proud of. She overcame a tragic, traumatic childhood to serve our country honorably and with distinction in the army. In fact, I think the army was probably her way out of what would have been a terrible adulthood. She was injured in a training exercise and her injury degenerated and she was left in a wheelchair, but not one to be uh, deterred or to feel sorry for herself. Christine decided to do her best to live her life to its fullest. She became a Paralympian. Uh, She was in the Invictus Games. The Canadian government used her in their Paralympic marketing materials But she has been absolutely abused, neglected, and hung out to dry by Veterans Affairs Canada. She has been waiting five years for a stair lift for her wheelchair in her home. And this is a constant battle. She constantly has to fight with Veterans Affairs to prove that she hasn't somehow regained the use of her legs every single year. It's humiliating and degrading. Currently, right now, she wriggles up and down her stairs on her belly to get to her car, to get out of her house, to do the things she needs to do to live a productive life with dignity. But Veterans Affairs, they deny, 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 delay. And recently, people may know Christine Gauthier's name because when she called Veterans Affairs to find out the status of her claim for this stair lift she needs in her home, they said, you know, we can tell that you're upset. We can tell that you're depressed. And Christine is obviously, we know from her history as a Paralympian, somebody who makes the best of a bad situation. But they have beaten her down to the point where she calls in desperation. And they say, have you considered medical assistance in dying? Not sure. I'll find out what's going on with your stairlift. This is an outrageous delay. They basically tell her, have you considered doing us all a favor? And dropping dead so I don't have to deal with you and you don't have to suffer.
2: That's precisely it. That's what they're saying. Exactly.
9: And so at Rebel News, we've taken up the cause of Christine. We are doing our best to pressure Veterans Affairs Canada, whose sacred covenant is to take care of Canadian veterans after service, whether they're injured or not, their mental health, their physical needs. They sign up. They serve. We help the government through Veterans Affairs is the tool by which the rest of us get to honor our veterans and they are not holding up their end of the bargain. So at helpchristine.com, I have a petition there where you can sign. I'm going to make sure that ends up on Lawrence McCauley, the Veterans Affairs Minister's desk. Personally, if I have to do it myself, I'm going to slap it down on his desk. But also at that website, if you feel so inclined to have your disgust with Veterans Affairs expressed in writing, I've got a pre-written email. You can just click on it and it'll go right into Lawrence McCauley's email inbox. Christine recently testified um, at a House of Commons committee about her treatment at the hands of Veterans Affairs. And I think they all sort of want it to go away. They said, you know, it's just one rogue employee of Veterans Affairs offering our veterans uh, assisted suicide instead of the help they're calling for. And they, they fired that person or they moved that person and they want it to go away. I'm not letting it go away. Christine is going to get the help she needs if it is the last thing I do.
2: Good for you. Good for you. Um, any idea what a chairlift, do we know what how much a chairlift would cost?
9: It is, I think... A couple hundred thousand dollars. It is an enormous expense. And one of the reasons it is so expensive is because the Veterans Affairs screwed up the installation of it and they, you know, they, they didn't get the design of it right. And because of city rules and bureaucrats and you have to pull all permits and it has to meet certain building codes and it makes it very, very expensive. But I don't care. I really don't care how much it costs. The federal government is dishing out money all over the place, making it rain in the developing world, sending our military equipment to Ukraine. Is it too much to ask that they take care of our veterans back here at home instead of trying to kill them? I think it's not too much to ask. It's the one thing we pay Veterans Affairs to do.
2: Is, I don't know. Is it just me or is the the um, Minister of Veterans Affairs, is it always the least competent person they appoint and, and put in that position? Every, every time we get a Minister of Affairs, they're, they're Veterans Affairs, they, they, they seem to be the most ridiculous, incompetent people. I can't believe Macaulay is still... Well, I can unfortunately.
9: Still around? Were you going to say that guy's been incompetent in a series of ministries? But, you know, the bar is, quite frankly, pretty low in the liberal benches. I mean, look at Omar al-Jabra over at Transport, um, completely bungled the airports. Um, Then, you know, we've got Justin Trudeau's best man, Seamus O'Regan, in the running, I think, for one of the least intelligent cabinet ministers there are. So, I mean, the depth of talent. Pretty shallow on the liberal benches, and I think Lawrence McCauley is just another one of the drones.
2: Uh, So again, the website to help uh, Christine uh, Christine Gautier.
9: Yep, very very easy. It's helpchristine dot com. You can sign the petition. You can click on the email. Let's make Veterans Affairs do the things we pay them to do.
2: Sheila, thank you as always. Great stories. Thanks, Richard. Sheila Gunn-Reed, Alberta Bureau Chief for Rebel News, rebelnews.com, The Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9 p.m., rebelnews.com. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines for a short spell, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Get it said, whatever you'd like, 289-275-9600. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show right after these.
8: You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 a.m.,
2: all right. Welcome back. 289 275 289 275 And uh, just ahead of our homeschool advisor, Ruth Gaskowski, will uh, join us in a few minutes. We'll talk about the Toronto School Board ditching Shakespeare for virtue signaling indigenous uh, literature. That was a story that I discussed last week with Sue Ann Levy, and she wrote a terrific piece for uh, about it in uh, or for True North. So we'll uh, pick up on that subject with Ruth Gaskowski. All right, to the phones we go, and we have uh, Rob in Toronto. Hey, Rob, welcome to The Richard Serrett Show.
3: Hi, thanks for having me on, sir. I'm just calling about the uh, sorry state of the old St. Stephen's Anglican Church. It's on college between uh, Bathurst and Spadina, it's just near the fire hall there right at uh, Bellevue Avenue and in college and uh it used to be my church and i uh y- if you walk past it you you can't believe what's become of it all he the was, graffiti dead on dead. the oh, graffiti okay yeah graf- like the what's that thing they do the anarchist? you know it's like the a with a circle yes. and yeah. all that kind of stuff and um but the encampment that the, the church has allowed on the ground is unbelievable. There's, uh, you can't even believe it. It's It looks like something from uh, uh, far away. You know, it's like tents and uh, a, a giant, some kind of a bookcase they used for shelter. And, and it's just uh, pitiful. Right. And I'm really sorry to, to see what's become of it. I think part of it's because they lost the, uh, the minister they once had that went, they sent him back to Ottawa to a seminary school, but it's uh, they've always had people in need. They have a a big, good kitchen downstairs. And I knew uh, a friend of mine was the guy who worked down there on during the week. And, but now this is uh, beyond that. It's like, what you were talking with that fellow about uh, the east side of uh, or Gastown, I guess it is in Vancouver.
2: It's uh, very I similar to the some- Avenue. Yeah. Well, that's. I, I, I. thank you for the call, uh, Rob. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Saint Stephen's Church on College between Spadina and Bathurst. I can't quite place it in my mind. I'm sure if I drove by it, I'd recognize it. Isn't it interesting? As you point out, they um, they have a soup kitchen. They're providing for the uh, for the indigent. Um, some of whom may or may not be drug addicts, uh, some of whom may or may not be anarchists. And, and (laughs) yet what do the anarchists do to a building where they are providing for the poor? They deface, they deface a holy place. How is that not a hate crime? Putting graffiti on a place of worship. Again, that's the left. Think there are any hardworking conservatives who are members of the anarchists walking around on their lunch hour defacing public property with their graffiti? This is what I say. The left wants to tear down. The right builds things up. The The left tears it down. All right, when we come back, Ruth Gaskowski, as I say, our home school advisor, she has a terrific new newsletter called School of the Unconformed, and we'll tell you how to subscribe to that. But we'll also talk about what's happening with English in our high schools, at least in the Toronto District School Board. Getting rid of Shakespeare, getting rid of the classics, replacing it with virtue-signaling nonsense. That's next. The Homeschool Advisor, right here on The Richard Serrett Show. Stay with us.
8: Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM.
2: The Homeschool Advisor on The Richard Serrett Show. Jump the gun again. All right. What is happening in our high schools is um, just appalling. Uh, Last week I was speaking with Sue Ann Levy from True North about uh, the Toronto District School Board. This happened uh, last Wednesday. The uh, TDSB has decided to cut what they're calling, quote, Eurocentric colonial classics from grade 11 English. In other words, Shakespeare. And instead, in its place, they are mandating mandating a course called Understanding Contemporary First Nations, Métis, and Inuit Voices. And there's nothing wrong with trying to understand Contemporary First Nations, Métis, and Inuit Voices. That probably belongs in social studies. It should be an elective if you want to learn about that. That's fine. That's wonderful. But again, the the woke school board deciding that Shakespeare has no merit because he's a dead white European. That's what it basically comes down to. The question is, how is this going to affect students' English study? Ruth Gaskowski is the founder of HumanitasFamily.net, and you can also subscribe to her newsletter, School of the Unconformed, at HumanitasFamily at com. Ruth, welcome back. How are you?
0: I'm very good, Richard. Thanks for having me.
2: So, uh, um, this is grade 11 mandatory uh you know this is a mandatory course they're getting rid of the classics in grade eleven It's happening in the t d s b it's happening in york it's happening uh York region, I believe Durham region as well. What is the impact? How is this going to affect students' english study
0: i I think this change is just adding one more layer of moving English study kind of into the field of social studies courses. So just to give listeners a bit of uh, detail on what's actually already happening is as of September 2023, all grade nine English courses will be de-streamed. And what that means is that there will no longer be an academic option available, but that all students of all ability levels are folded into one class last April, the provincial Liberals promised, if elected, to continue the de-streaming process with grade 10 English as well. And so even though they weren't elected, grade 10 academic English is still on the chopping block. And so with the TDSB board's decision to replace grade 11 with a native studies course, which, by the way, could easily have been uh, made a mandatory Canadian history course, which we already have anyhow, uh, we arrive sort of at a high school education where students are not offered any challenging academic content until grade 12. So that means we're replacing three out of the four mandatory English credits with kind of, quote, applied courses. And I came across this quote in the Toronto Star where a grade nine English teacher put it really clearly what that means for students. And uh, the person said, de-streaming is an unmitigated disaster. Some of the students can write a novel, and others struggle to produce a single sentence, let alone a paragraph. Everything is completely dumbed down to the lowest common denominator, and none of these students feel better about themselves.
2: There you go. Yep, this is all by design. It, it is exactly that, dumbing down. Um, but this idea that, that that teachers can still impart relevant English skills to students using the books of Indigenous writers. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah. Well, they kind of emphasize this point really strongly because I think there has been a lot of pushback by parents. And if you look at the comments in the Toronto Star, which is kind of a left-leaning publication, you see there's a lot of uh, commentary um, opposing this dropping of Shakespeare. And I think just because these books of the native writers are written in English does not mean that they are masterpieces of the English language. And ostensibly, an English course should be about um, looking at the highest forms of English language. So when we spoke last week about, um, you know, dumbing down academic courses, we talked about how Shakespeare had this vast vocabulary. So he used up to 30,000 different words in his plays and knew over 60,000 himself. And we actually he actually coined 3,000 English words that we use in today's language. So when we teach English literature, we don't just read books that might have interesting history or that are a good read. We reach back to the classic grades because they were masters of the language, and those are challenging books, but they enhance our thinking. They make us work really hard. It's painstaking work. Any students will admit that, but they will also admit once you've gotten through Shakespeare, it is a rewarding experience, and it really helps you to... Uh, understand the universal human condition. So the suggestion that we can kind of learn the same skills from modern books—it's kind of like um, in philosophy, do we turn to Doctor Phil instead of Plato? Or in science, like do we? <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I thought, you know, so, so if we're if we're making things accessible, does that mean that, or do we believe leave behind like Newton or Galileo or Einstein because they happen to have been born on? the wrong continent. We're trying to build on the shoulders of great thinkers and writers of our history. And I think that's what we should continue to do in English.
2: Right. So we're going to get rid of Shakespeare in grade 11 English. And instead, students, our children will be forced to read uh, Toronto Star journalist Tanya Talaga's book, uh, All of Our Relations, Indigenous Trauma in the Shadow of Colonialism, there you go. I mean, fine. Again, if you want to take that in history, uh, that's that's one thing. But that's not an uh, an English course. Uh, so, uh, are there still ways for students to study the English classics in high school?
0: <clears throat> well. Again, I was uh, speaking with a mother who has her students in the system right now, and grade 12 was the very first time that they were offered any option to actually study classics. Anything under grade 12, you will not really have access or opportunity to study great classic literature, let alone uh, learn to write essays about them, because the word essay has actually been mixed out of the curriculum uh, it 's too stressful for students so it's we 're talking about series of paragraphs we 're trying to kind of gentle everything down and to accommodate everything so so as not to possibly kind of get students worked about uh, worked up about the the challenging work they might have to do so anything under grade twelve um, is not uh, in any way academic uh, from a classical perspective and um I think that there is a wide selection of wonderful online English courses that offer a uh, study of great classics. I have links to these online schools courses on my website. But let's say you're not a homeschooler and you are concerned about your uh, child's academics in school. Um, you may want to inquire for permission to take alternative online English courses because these are accredited and they're recognized by universities and they offer a wonderful English study worthy of uh, university-level English study, and you will not be getting them in public school systems now.
2: Okay, great idea. Uh, I, yeah, I would encourage parents, just uh, bow out of these, these uh, English uh, courses and, and uh, study on your own. Study on your own. How do we subscribe to School of the Unconformed, your newsletter?
10: Are you ready for a rewarding career in the electrical industry? Quality Electric of the Coastal Carolinas, QECC, is looking for qualified electricians and electrical helpers to join its Charleston team. QECC offers guaranteed full-time hours, make up to $30 per hour with possible performance bonuses and career growth opportunities. Enjoy benefits like health insurance, dental and vision coverage, 401k plans, and more. If you're a motivated, experienced electrician, this job is for you. QECC is an equal opportunity employer. For all job inquiries, send email to hr at QECCinc.com.
0: Yeah, for people familiar with Substack, this is a great new platform to explore for many kinds of newsletters. You can uh, go to Substack and enter School of the Unconformed and just subscribe. It's a free subscription and there's going to be lots of interesting articles coming up right now. We have been talking about TikTok brain or the death of uh, academic language. And as we go forward, I'll be exploring a bit more the effect of uh, chat GPT on English study.
2: Ah, well, we'll have to talk about that at a future date. Great work, Ruth, as always. Okay, talk to you soon. Humanitasfamily.net as well. Uh, That's the website, Humanitas. Just think of human, H-U-M-A-N-I-T-A-S, family.net, humanitasfamily.net. All right, hour two awaits. Drew Allen, podcast host, columnist, political analyst host of the Drew Allen Show will be here. We'll talk about uh, the State of the Union Address from Grampy Joe Biden tonight, China Spy Balloon, Satanism at the Grammys, sponsored by Pfizer, don't you know? Uh, Also, we'll speak with Michael Rechtenwald. He's uh, the author of some 12 books, a distinguished distinguished fellow at Hillsdale College and one of the few great uh, American colleges left in the United States. Uh, We'll talk about, or he'll talk about, Mastering the Future, the Megalomaniacal Ambitions of the World Economic Forum, and of course, Space Matters with Dr. Jesse Rogerson. We'll talk about how NASA needs your help to find alien worlds. That's our two upcoming right here on the Richard Serrett Show, Saga 960. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show.
3: I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell,
8: I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore.
5: ask you not only
2: to win the battle, but to win the war.
10: We're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something.
6: You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of
7: order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of
8: nature!
7: And you... We are
2: on That's what we do here every day, four to six p.m. Eastern. We meddle with the primal forces of nature. Welcome to hour two of the Richard Serrett Show. If you missed hour one, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still, plenty of great programming coming your way this hour. Oh, incidentally, therichardserrettshow.com. That's the website, the Richard Serret Show. S Y R E T T, the Richard You can help NASA discover new planets using your personal telescope or even just your smartphone. And uh, assistant professor of astrophysics, Dr. Jesse Rogerson, will be here in our Space Matters segment coming up, Last Order of Business. I love to talk about space. Uh, Michael Rechtenwald is the author of 12 books, including The Great Reset and The Struggle for Liberty. Uh, he recently wrote a, uh, an amazing essay called Mastering the Future, the megalo, megalomaniacal, that's a hard one, the megalomaniacal ambitions of the World Economic Forum. We'll talk to him about that. Uh right now much to discuss we've got uh the state of the union address tonight with Grampy Beijing Joe Biden what the, what is that going to sound like uh we've got this whole China spy balloon um much to discuss there and satanism at the Grammys I still want to talk about that uh that dis- that appalling display over the weekend sponsored by Pfizer how appropriate We're going to do all of that with a good friend of the program. He's host of The Drew Allen Show. He's also a columnist, author, political analyst, and uh, you can uh, read his blogs at drewallen.substack.com. Hey, Drew, how are you? Welcome back.
4: Hey, Richard. Good to be with you again.
2: Likewise. Before we get to all that, I just want to run this one by you. I'm I'm sure you've heard this. uh, The latest from the evil clowns at uh, Disney. Have a listen. Mm-hmm.
7: This country was built on slavery, which means slaves, slaves built this country. Tilled this land from sea to sea to sea. First it was rice, tobacco, sugar cane. Then Whitney did his thing, and cotton became king. And we were its soldiers, four million strong, fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's slaves, slaves. Built this country, the descendants of slaves continue to build this. Slaves built, built this country, and we, the descendants of slaves in America, have earned reparations for their suffering and continue to earn reparations every moment we spend submerged in the systemic prejudice racism and white, white supremacy, supremacy that america was founded with and still has not atoned for slaves built this country
2: there you go wonderful the folks at disney this is a, a reboot of a disney show the proud family and um thankfully receiving a great deal of backlash over that uh that cartoon featuring kids singing about slavery and reparations drew your thoughts
4: well, the great irony, the proud family, right? Which is teaching people to be sour and hate their country. Uh, I mean, that's sick. That's critical race theory in a nutshell. <clears throat> um, and it's aimed at, at, at who? At our children. Um, it's, it's despicable. Uh, it just shows how far this country's uh, fallen, how rotten it is uh, based on these corporations that are controlled by uh, wacko leftists. Um, uh, there you go. You know, the indoctrination continues. Um, they have no shame whatsoever, and uh, they want to teach uh, false American history that's untrue. Uh, I noticed in, in, in the clip uh, they, they failed to mention and educate children that it was actually the Democrats uh, who advocated for slavery and were proponents of Jim Crow and racism in this country. So, you know, uh, without the Democratic Party, um, you know, we, we would have would um, have uh, uh, not had to uh, go through a
2: lot of that pain. That's right. And the KKK was the military arm of the Democratic Party. Um, All right. I want to ask you about uh, Grampy Joe Biden's State of the Union address tonight. Are you going to be watching and what do you expect to hear?
4: Well, I don't need to watch it, but I will be forced to watch it because I'll have to talk about it and and discuss it and break it down. But people don't need to watch it. Um, It's going to be a CCP um, style propaganda speech. Um he's going to lie about the same things he's been lying about for the past two you know years or so uh, and basically, in a nutshell, he's going to um lie about his accomplishments he's going to uh, create these straw man arguments and he's going to condemn capitalism and he's going to uh, uh promote uh socialism in the United States. He's going to say that you know he's 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 really open to working with republicans he hopes they'll they'll reach across the aisle and sign off on everything that the uh marxist democrats want to put in the pipe um you know he'll tout things like i created more jobs than any present in american history of course which is a lie uh, if you tell 40 million people they can't go to work and then a week later you tell them they can go to work you did not create 40 million jobs um he's gonna try and pretend like uh you know i mean look it's true that the unemployment rate presently in america is, you know around 3.5 percent i believe um, you know, the, the, the lowest it's been since, you know, supposedly 1969 or something like that. But that's approximately what it was before the pandemic under Trump. I uh, still so claim credit for that. Of course, he'll ignore the real problems, which is uh, the gas prices still. If he does touch it, he'll blame it on the uh, uh, oil companies and gas companies. Um, he'll definitely, you know, plug in Ukraine, talk about how great they are and how we need to continue to just open up the faucet and send taxpayer dollars over there. He's going to attack billionaires. He's going to lie about what they pay or don't pay in taxes. Um, I mean, it's just going to be it's going to be what, what, what you'd expect from this guy who who all he can do is lie.
5: Do you think
2: that he will use this State of the Union to maybe unofficially announce he's running again in 2024?
4: Yeah, I expect that. And, you know, a lot of the talking points is, you know, well, you know, he's he's got to run because of, uh you know, that the people want him to, even though um, the majority of Democrats don't want him to run for re-election. But I think he does intend on, on running. And I think that the, the greatest indication of that actually is the Democrats have changed their um, nomination process um, going ahead of 2024, you know, the primary process. So instead of starting out in, you know, uh, Iowa and then going to New Hampshire, they want to they w- do South Carolina first. And the reason being is that historically, I mean, as it has been, you know, and you you have Iowa caucus, and then you go into uh, New Hampshire. Well, coincidentally, of course, in twenty twenty, uh, Joe Biden came in fourth and fifth, respectively. So he wasn't a front runner, and it wasn't until South Carolina when Jim Clyburn, who of course, ironically, well, not ironically, it, it's expected he's he's out there saying that Joe Biden's great, he's in good shape. He's met seventy two year olds who aren't as, as as smart and quick as Joe Biden. Yes, maybe if you're in a graveyard, but um, <laughs> but you know, South Carolina is what is what really Got um, uh, Joe Biden over the top. I mean, you know, after after being fourth and fifth, he got the South Carolina Jim Clyburn, um, who happens to be an African American. He's a you know senator out of uh, out of South Carolina. He kind of basically his his endorsement, you know, declares who's going to win. Well, uh, you know, that caused uh, people to start dropping out. So they think that they, if they can put South Carolina up there first and he can get a resounding victory, um, it'll avoid uh, some of the discussions about you know maybe he shouldn't be the front runner.
2: Interesting. Interesting. So has this whole classified document thing blown over? Did he survive? Is he going to survive this?
1: Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over policing?
4: Well, look, I mean, I think that the, the way things work in Washington, D.C. and with our media, um, I mean, he can weather whatever they want him to weather, right? I mean, if they decide they don't want him, uh, they could use it against him. But that's not really their intention. I've been saying that all along. People got so excited about it. I said, hold on, hold on. Look, they don't do anything to hurt themselves. It's all about Trump. It all goes back to Trump at the end of the day. Um so, yeah, I mean, they're doing everything they can to, to, to distract from the obvious elephant in the room, which is uh, his corruption. Um, and, and it's not just in Ukraine. The, the most important, I think, after the balloon incident is uh, the revelations on the Hunter Biden laptop that, of course, prove that um, the CCP was paying off uh, uh, him um, via his son and his brother. Uh, you know, I mean, it was bribery. It was bribery. They did it through an energy company in China. It was used to bribe
2: other people, too. Well, hopefully that uh, now wh- which GOP controlled House committee will be is that Jim Jordan's committee that will be overseeing that investigation or is no, he's on weaponization of America uh, uh, of government, I think. Um, do we know who's going to be looking into uh, a Hunter Biden laptop?
4: Well, it might be out there. I'm not sure if it's going to come out of the uh, Judiciary Committee. Uh, or another committee, I mean, r- really, they should set up a special committee like they did for j six to do it um I think that's that's the best avenue, but um you know i mean that 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 is priority one though I mean the bar, everything else that is important, I think that the most important investigations need to be into Joe Biden and his um his corruption because you know i mean he he he's he's people don't i mean look, America's not going to survive if we aren't willing to admit and acknowledge that. The 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 CCP has infiltrated the Oval Office. And I mean, look, you, you got you got Mark Milley, um, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, he's absolutely uh, in bed with the Chinese. Same thing with uh, Secretary of State, you know, Anthony Blinken. Uh, I mean, look, and, and I look I, the Republicans, I guarantee you've been bribed as well. You know, this is this is the real problem in America. And it's not it's not conspiracy theory. You can look at how they've done this to other countries.
2: All right. We'll uh, take a quick time out. Drew Allen, host of The Drew Allen Show, drewallen.substack.com stays with us. More of our conversation. We'll get to the China spy balloon and Satanism at the Grammys. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show in three minutes.
8: Welcome back to The
2: Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. And we are back with Drew Allen, great friend of the show, great writer, terrific podcaster, The Drew Allen Show. And you can go to Drew Allen, that's D-R-E-W, Allen, A-L-L-E-N, drewallen.substack.com. Uh, you mentioned the the spy balloon, the China spy balloon. And I'm still not satisfied as to why it took them so long to shoot that thing out of the sky. I don't buy for a minute that they were concerned about Uh, you know, perhaps injuring people on the ground. And that thing was flying over the Aleutian Islands. They could have blasted it there over the, uh, what is that, the Bering Strait or whatever that, I'm not sure what body of water, it's Pacific Ocean, I guess. Uh, They could have blasted it over Montana, which is primarily empty. Uh, What's going on here?
4: Well, we're witnessing a (laughs) cover-up. You know, I I call it kind of a post-mortem recreation of what actually happened and why, and of course, you know their answers are not satisfactory because they're not telling us the truth. I mean, uh, you just pointed out a lot of the obvious and, and correct um, points on this. I mean, um, you know, we, look, we wouldn't we wouldn't even have known about this had uh, the the citizens in Montana and Billings not looked up with the naked eye and captured on photographs and on their cell phones. Um, you know, Bloomberg came out and said that. Uh, the, the Biden administration was trying to cover it up. They didn't want the American people to know about it, uh, because they didn't want it to interrupt, uh, secretary of state Blinken's trip to Beijing. And, you know, I I mean, look, everything seems like a lie. Look, January 28th is when NORAD saw it over the Aleutian islands. Um, then apparently they they decided to tell Biden about it on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and you know, supposedly they say, well, you know, Biden said to shoot it down, um, and we advised him not to do it, that being million Pentagon people, uh, because it would hurt people on the ground, which, as you just pointed out, is a lie. I'm going to Montana in June. I go there every year. Um, (laughs) There's more cows than people, and uh, there's plenty of, of room to shoot it down, just as they could have over the Pacific. And then they started to say, well, you know, it actually, the delay in shooting it down gave us time to study it. So then they tried to act like, uh, you know, they didn't intend to shoot it down because it would you know, obstruct their ability to study the balloon somehow, which raises the question, well, why would Joe Biden say to shoot it down in the first place if the whole point was to follow this thing, track it, and study it? And then Blinken, of course, he waits until Friday, hours before he's supposed to leave for Beijing, to dramatically announce that he's canceling a trip that had previously not even been announced and made public. So uh, none of it adds up. It stinks to high heaven. And then, of course, the great hilarity of these clowns is that, you know, now they're using Trump uh, as some kind of justification that it's a good thing. You know, Trump, Trump, this happened under Trump, and he didn't do it. I mean, you know, that used to be the chance to lock him up. Now it's the chance that it's OK. And that's a lie, too. Nobody in his administration that should have known about it even knew about those balloons. And there's a stark difference between a balloon floating off the coast and going away and a balloon traveling for seven days across the United States completing its spy journey before you shoot it down. So I, I don't buy it at all. I think China was mocking at us. Uh, the way I see it, they were testing Joe Biden's commitment and their investment in these uh, these leaders of America that they bought off and paid off. It was a big middle finger. It was a, a victory lap for the Chinese. And honestly, I think that's what the Grammy show was too.
2: Yeah, let's in talk about way. let's talk about the Grammys. Uh, this uh, uh, this appalling display. Satan worshipper uh, Sam Smith being introduced by. Uh, A barely recognizable Madonna who looked like, to me, she was dressed up. She looked like a female Nazi concentration guard. That's what she looked like. Uh, Then she introduces uh, Sam Smith in this disgusting um, satanic ritual. Uh, And then, of course, it's all (laughs) sponsored by Pfizer. I mean, they don't even try to hide it anymore. It's just right in our face. What's what's going on?
4: well it was a, it was a jab. it was all intentional. Um, look, I mean the, the Chinese sent the balloon to humiliate um, and challenge americans and uh, and the the left in this country did that Grammy show selectively you know put on the performances that they did um, uh, to mock the American people. I mean they understand that there's a culture war going on in America, and the Chinese were saying, "F you, uh, we own you and the left was saying. F you we own Hollywood and we're coming after your children. Um I mean everything that they intentionally put in that show are the very things that uh, you know, uh, moral Americans are objecting to and they were saying, Hey, you don't like this stuff? Well guess what? We're gonna dedicate this entire Grammy show to putting on performances that you have a problem with.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, true. That does. They they are so av- they are so emboldened now. Uh they don't even try and And hide it. It used to be on an awards show. Maybe you know Jay Z or someone would flash like a you know the all-seeing eye or some Illuminati sign, just kind of as a PR stunt. And now, of course, it's just full right in our face. They don't even try to hide it. Uh, What's happening at uh, drewallen.substack.com?
4: Well, look, I mean, I had a podcast out yesterday I released, you know, talking about a lot of these issues, going into detail about the balloon, explaining kind of what I've done on a, in a shorter time frame on your show. Um, and, you know, making some of the predictions about the State of the Union. I mean, I, I just I, I just I, I, I can't stress the importance of addressing the fact that the communist Chinese have infiltrated America, our universities, our corporations. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Richard, because if you look at what the Communist Chinese Party stands for in an official capacity, right, they're against uh, constitutionalism, they're against the civil, civil society, um, they're against the free press, all these things threaten their authoritarianism. Well, that's precisely what the Democratic Party advocates for. There is very little difference in, the, in America right now in China in terms of our leadership. And I just think that if you don't get to the bottom of the fact, and we don't recognize the fact that this is the, this is the driving force behind what's going on in America and our just devolving into this, you know, <laughs> loser, totalitarian country. It's, um, it's, it, it, it all goes back to the communist Chinese and they, they have out strategized this. They've been doing this for a long time. And look, they did this in the Czech Republic. Um, you know, they got, they got the guy on that same energy company, for example, uh, that, that bribed, you know, Hunter Biden to bribe the, uh, the uh, president of uh Czech Republic. I mean, it's in our faces every day and they want to pretend like it's not happening. It's a conspiracy theory. It's not
2: true. Always appreciate your uh, fantastic insights. Thank you so much as always.
4: Thanks, Richard. Take care.
2: Drew Allen, host of the Drew Allen show. Again, drew Check him out. He's great. All right. When we come back, Michael Rechtenwald, the author of uh, 12 books, including The Great Reset, will talk about the uh, megalomaniacal ambitions of the World Economic Forum. Stay tuned for that.
8: The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM.
2: All right, welcome back. You know, if anyone was going to speak out against the dystopian vision of our future... Offered up by the World Economic Forum, it would be someone from Hillsdale College, perhaps one of the the last bastions of, uh, how should I say, non-wokeism in America. It's a a private conservative Christian liberal arts college in uh, Hillsdale, Michigan.
1: Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing?
2: sort of based on Western heritage as a, as a product of Judeo-Christian values. Michael Reckonwald is a distinguished fellow at Hillsdale College. He's also the author of 12 books, including The Great Reset and The Struggle for Liberty, Unraveling the Global Agenda, Thought, Crime, uh, Thought Criminal, Beyond Woke, Google Archipelago, uh, and one of my favorites, <laughs> the title just kills me, Springtime for Snowflakes, uh recently wrote a terrific article called mastering the future the megalomaniacal ambitions of the wef michael welcome to the program how are you
5: great thanks for having me
2: good to be here um so i guess we've had a couple of weeks uh to sort of uh take it all in after the uh, what was this the 53rd annual uh wef uh meeting in davos and um the, the the term fragmentation came up a lot. I think that was the uh, that was sort of the theme cooperation in a fragmented world. What is Klaus Schwab and company? What, what, what do they what are they on about when they keep talking about fragmentation?
5: Well, since they want uh, total control, they want everything included within a singular world monopoly. So fragmentation is anybody that or anything that uh, differs from that. So all activity that they have haven't gotten under their thumb uh, is considered fragmentation. Any kind of decentralization or uh, activity, economic activity that they haven't monitored and uh, controlled and dictated the terms of that is fragmentation. Uh, So and they they talk a lot about um, uh, private
2: uh, private public um partnerships, which is a very trendy term these days. Um, so when you combine that, all this discussion about uh, public-private partnerships, stakeholder capitalism, um, uh, consolidating control over things like agriculture and other areas of the economy, I mean isn't isn't that the definition of fascism?
5: Yes, I mean, this is fascism uh, precisely when you have this collusion between uh, corporations and the state. And uh, in this case, uh, they're actually trying to get ahead of state dictates. They're trying to do an end around uh, legislation and everything else uh, that states do by advancing this stakeholder capitalism. Uh, It is a way of getting all these corporate partners on board with their agenda and not having to to enact a single law or to revoke a single regulation. Uh, So it is quite interesting how they're doing this through stakeholder capitalism uh, and the, uh, the various mechanisms involved with stakeholder capitalism. So when they talk, Uh, sorry, go
2: ahead, go ahead, Michael.
5: Yeah. Like, like the ESG, for example, the environmental social and governance index. When they talk about stakeholder capitalism, Um, they don't mean the citizens,
2: right? We're not the stakeholders they're referring to.
5: Well, they, they use all these euphemisms and double speak. They suggest that stakeholder capitalism is meant to benefit all stakeholders. But really, when it comes down to it, the stakeholders that matter are these, uh, particular favored corporate partners and, uh, the state, uh, and, uh, various, uh, uh, principles like the UN and uh, and the, the partners of the World Economic Forum. So it is certainly not uh, democratic. It is certainly not, has nothing to do with the citizenry having input in what's going on because this is all being dictated from on high. So indeed, yeah, they leave out the vast majority of people have no no stake in this stakeholder capitalism.
2: Michael, we're going to take a quick time up, Come back. We'll talk more about the megalomaniacal ambitions of the World Economic Forum. Michael Rechtenwald here, distinguished fellow at Hillsdale College, author of The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty, among others. Back with more of our conversation in three minutes.
8: Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show.
2: News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m. Michael Reckinwald stays with us, the author of Google Archipelago, obviously a, a take on Solzhenitsyn's book, The Gulag Archipelago, and a Springtime for Snowflakes, which is not a Broadway musical starring Zero Mostel and uh, Dick Sean, um, also a dis- distinguished fellow at Hillsdale College. Uh, recently on Joe Rogan's uh, program, Jordan Peterson uh, announced that he is kind of launching a, um, a counter- to the world economic forum i think he's uh, set up a foundation in in uh, london england have you heard about that what are your thoughts is is, is, could that be successful
5: i mean that's a possibility and depends on uh the the constituency of this and uh whether in fact it is uh it really fully grasps the implications of what the world economic forum's doing but uh, jordan peterson is a friend of mine and i'll be talking to him about this very shortly actually. And uh, you know, it is definitely uh, a good idea in terms of uh, ideally it's something that needs to be done. Uh, And uh, I I look forward to the prospects for this.
2: One of the, I mean, I I think he mentioned six sort of questions that have to be put out there. And one of them is, and I think it's a fundamental one, it's a great word place to start. And that is, how do we get uh, access to cheap energy to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, um, in terms of you know reducing poverty, because the the World Economic Forum's recipe um, for I don't know throwing us back into some kind of a uh, a new feudal age is to deny the developing world access to cheap energy, uh, and also at the same time, basically uh, throwing hundreds of millions of people into um food insecurity why can't people why 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 are not more why are more people not waking up to see what the WEF is all about and and how they are they're they're setting up uh, all the progress we made in reducing poverty back decades and decades
5: yes it's uh it's a deindustrialization uh program it's a decivilizational program and uh they're definitely uh w- we're looking at agricultural uh Catastrophe, if they have their way. And uh, so I think one of the reasons that people don't grasp it is because of the the, the way they use uh, altruism, you know, the language and rhetoric of altruism and philanthropy and, uh, uh, you know, do-gooding, when it really comes down to uh, a disaster, it, it could lead to worldwide famine uh, or famine, at least in the developing world. And uh, this also, you know, they're basically bribing the developing world not to develop. Uh, This is what is underway. There's all these wealth transfers from the developed to the developing world, all sent to basically the elites in those countries and bribing them not to develop because they don't want them to develop unsustainable um, development. So this this is really uh, what you know the uh, the Great Reset's about. It is about accelerating the Agenda 2030 uh, sustainability goals, and those sustainability goals have a great deal to do with curtailing consumption and production, uh, not only of fossil fuels but almost all industries. Uh, so this is a very uh, very nefarious and uh, dangerous prospect. Uh, for those who think they look at
2: Klaus Schwab, it looks like, a, you know, a, the latest James Bond villain and they're kind of weird and dresses in a very weird fashion. And for those who think it's just a bunch of weirdos in a think tank, they really have no relevance. Why are we getting all up and uh, you know excited about this? What do you say to those people?
5: Well, I mean, the World Economic Forum has over a thousand uh, corporate partners signed on to their agenda and supporting them and uh, they have managed to get this uh, stakeholder capitalism as the adopted practice of major corporations around the world. We're talking the top corporations in all industries. So they have uh, managed to enlist and enroll all of these stakeholders, and uh, they are enacting these policies without any Uh, without any uh, legislative or democratic processes uh, whatsoever. So what I would say to those people is the effects of this are worldwide. The World Economic Forum has a contract with the United Nations to accelerate Agenda 2030, and it's well underway uh, that we're seeing the effects of it as we speak.
2: Michael, how do we get a uh, or how do we read the uh the article Mastering the Future? Where's the best place to go see it?
5: Well, it's on my website at com, or else you can go to mises.org, M I S E S. Uh either one of those places and uh it lays out, you know, what what they're about and uh it's a very short take on the World Economic Forum and their ambitions uh and the pro- prospects and the effects that those uh, ambitions would have should they succeed
2: last question and only uh, half joking how do i get my boys into hilldale
5: college <laughs> yeah, that's a great question it's it's rather uh, demanding but i'm i'm sure they'll be fine uh it's a great school and uh probably one of the last bastions of uh traditional uh education left in the united states in higher education so, absolutely uh, yeah yeah I hear
2: amazing things about him. Michael, great to meet you. I hope we can do this again sometime. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Michael Rechtenwald, again, the author of The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty, Unraveling the Global Agenda, Thought Criminal, Beyond Woke, Google Archipelago, and Springtime for Snowflakes, among others, Amazon.com and uh, Michael Rechtenwald.com. All right, when we come back, Space Matters with Dr. Jesse Rogerson will tell you how you can help NASA find alien worlds. That's next. Stay with us right here on The Richard Serrett Show.
8: Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Mission sequence started.
2: Time to talk space. Space matters. And did you know, all you amateur astronomers, you can help NASA discover new planets simply using your personal telescope or even just your smartphone. It's uh, called the Exoplanet Watch Program. And here to tell us more, Dr. Jesse Rogerson, Assistant Professor of Astrophysics, York University. Hey, Jesse, how are you?
6: Richard, good to have you or sorry, good to be back.
2: Great to have you back. Uh, so is it really that simple just um, yeah. using your own personal telescope or even your smartphone? How is that possible? We're talking yeah, you, about looking for exoplanets.
6: Yeah. And what is like? Let's start with that. What exactly is an exoplanet anyway? Because that that'll inform you on exactly what you're going to be doing with this program. So we know what planets are. They're those things that we live on that orbits the sun. Right. That's that's a planet. An exoplanet is if when you go out at night and you look up and you see the stars, each one of those stars probably has planets around it. And we call those exoplanets. They're planets that orbit other stars. Right. Now they, they are not exactly easy to find. Um, stars are really far away. Those systems are really far away. And the, the way we do this, the way exoplanets are mostly found, there's a variety of techniques, but the most popular one is through transits. This is what that means is from our perspective here on earth we if the if the alignment is perfect you can see a planet pass in front of its star from our point of view and block some of the starlight thereby making the star appear dimmer for a short period of time and then this the planet will move off the the star and then you it goes back to its normal brightness so you'll see these these dips in light from the star periodically as the planet goes round and round and round and round. This has been wildly successful. We found about 5,000 exoplanets so far as a a planet. Um, We found a lot of them. Um, But this project, this exoplanet watch thing from NASA puts a little bit of it back in the hands of of everyday people. Uh, For example, if you own a big telescope and you like to go out and take pictures of, of things in space, you could point your telescope at one of the stars that we think has planets take a bunch of images of that star and then upload those images to this exoplanet um, program, use their software uh, to analyze the data. You get to do it. You analyze your own data using their software and potentially see a transit, see a dip in light from this exoplanet. And I've been looking at the the software and I've been looking at the program and, and as difficult as it is, um, to do it's as easy as they can make it um so anybody who's got a telescope and likes to do this can get involved and slowly learn how to take pictures of exoplanets it's really really cool
2: so how big a telescope like i've got a um i think it's celestron um uh it might be like a refractor telescope what might be like 70 times 700 millimeter refractor is right, that right enough is that going to do it you know, I think
6: um, I think it depends on the, the exoplanet system, um, because the dip in light is dependent on the size of the planet. Right. If it's a really big planet, it'll block more light from the star than if it's a small planet. So your your setup might be capable of, of measuring big, giant gas giant planets around these stars. But it may not be so good at finding like little tiny, you know, Mercury sized planets or Pluto sized planets, for example.
2: Now the the, um, the program again, Exoplanet Watch, NASA is saying even if you don't own a telescope, you can participate. It allows amateur astronomers to look through ten years worth of exoplanet observations <laughs> collected by a small ground based telescope south of Tucson, Arizona. So how was that? How would that work?
6: So what they did for this. Project is they um, there's ro- there's robotic networks of telescopes all over the, the planet and wh- that one that you talked about the micro observatory just south of Tucson Arizona um, robotically ran that or at, when it has time collects data on various stars that you see in the night sky and then s- throws it into an archive for this project so what they need is they need people you and me to go sign up as a as a person and w- as a scientist um, and you they send you chunks of data images for, of stars you work with their software to analyze the the light what we call a light curve how bright the star is through time and then determine the depth and size of a transit of a planet going in front of that star so you just you they they you're the only one to work on it at a time so they send you the data you're the one working on that data and then when you've analyzed it and measured the light curve you send it back And then your your light curve is published on their website and scientists can use that to to learn more about that exoplanet. So you don't even need a telescope. You can use other people's data that has not been observed or not been analyzed yet to participate in this project.
2: Are you looking for exoplanets, Jesse?
6: Uh, You know what? I was looking at this. I haven't done this one before. There are these are called citizen science projects. Um, and there's a variety of ones. Galaxy Zoo is a very famous one that gets you to look at galaxies that have been images of galaxies that have been taken by other telescopes. This one I have not participated in, but I I really love um, how nitty gritty it gets. This one they they show you how to analyze the data, exactly how an astronomer would analyze the data, and then you get to go do it. Uh, and it's it it takes time and it takes effort, but you really get your hands on it. And if your work your work could very well end up in a published paper and your name gets to go on that paper. You get to be a co-author of a scientific paper because you analyze the data. Oh. So I'm if I do have time, maybe maybe uh, in the near future, I'm, I'm also you know what I'm interested in here is seeing how I could utilize this project in my classroom. Uh, I can get some undergraduates actually working with exoplanetary
2: data uh, through this project, which I'm really excited about. Oh, that is very cool. That is very cool. And please put in a word with NASA. They have to come up with more romantic names for their exoplanets. <laughs> Just, they. Th- I think the latest one they discovered uh, from the uh, James Webb Space Telescope, they're calling it HD 8606b. <laughs> yeah.
6: Yeah. There's, there's thousands of them. I, I mean, you got to have some I don't know how you set up names, naming systems for that, but I
2: don't think you, I think well, you'll run out of Greek and Roman mythology figures for them. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. Last question. And that has to do with light pollution. How difficult mm-hmm. is it getting for uh, for you as an astronomer uh, you know, to, to look for exoplanets or anything else because of the light pollution?
6: Well, yeah, light pollution. I think what that that's more of a. So from an astronomer point of view, we have set up telescopes, robotic telescopes, and a variety of really great sites around the planet to avoid this problem. But it is a growing issue. And light pollution has actually gotten a lot worse over the last 10 years. So it's even starting to encroach on professional telescopes. Um, but I, you know, we're finding ways around that. Astronomers can work with it. it. But I think one of the bigger issues with light pollution is how it cuts us off personally from nature. It'd be like... Not being able to observe the sky like you and me just on a regular day is, is sort of akin to not being allowed to go to see a forest, right? If you're denied the opportunity to see a forest, you're, you're losing something that humans need to have. We need to, we're part of nature. We're, a forest is important to us. Uh, So not being able to see the sky is sort of similar to that. Not being able to see a sunset, not being able to see a meteor shower. By losing the sky, we lose a part of ourselves Now, that's that's more of a philosophical thing. But like from a professional standpoint, it is an issue that we we need
2: to put our telescopes in new and interesting places to to avoid that. Absolutely. All right, Jesse. Great work as always. This sounds like fun. Again, it's the (laughs) Exoplanet Watch program and uh, amateur astronomers and just about anyone else. Welcome to help find alien worlds potentially. All right. We'll 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 talk again next week, Jesse. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Jesse Rogerson, Assistant Professor of Astrophysics York University. All right, that's for, uh, that's it for me. my thanks to Jody Declan and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing. I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then I remain unbowed, unbent. unbroken.